Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Now we're going to talk some rugby. Women's rugby, in fact, because it has been on fire as of late. Well, particularly over in the north, as we saw England take on France in the Six Nation final, winning 24-12 with the English, they're on another level at the moment and uh, they've got a lot of resources and a lot of support for, um, for them behind them from their own, the rugby union, the ERFU, I must say the England Rugby Football Union and uh, a player that has played in four World Cups, she's been a part of four World Cups, she's on the Rugby Players Board before coming World Rugby Women's Advisory Committee member, she's been there, she's done it, she knows what it takes to win at the top level and she's on the show right now, Rachel Burford, and she's, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. Appreciate you coming on the show, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. No worries, no worries. How um, how much excitement is, is building for later this year with England rugby? They're on another level, I must say, um, winning their fourth consecutive um, Six Nations title, mate. They're going into it as favourites. Is there a lot of excitement building up in the north? Yeah, there certainly is. I think now the Six Nations is out of the way, everyone can start actually talking mm. about the World Cup instead of the old cliche of players going, oh, no, we're just focusing on the Six Nations. But now there's a lot of talk, <laughs> a lot of buzz. Obviously, like good news with borders opening and ticket sales now on and, and people knowing that they can come over to support and watch. Uh, yeah, definitely a buzz about. Mate, let's talk, tell us about the support that they get up in the north. I've watching a few games on the TV, the crowds, the sold-out stadium. So it's actually a, a product that a lot of people enjoy over in the north. They're, they're really enjoying what England, particularly with France, uh, playing some, some exciting rugby. they got a lot of support, not only from the fans, but the rugby union. They're right behind them as well. Yeah, certainly in England. I mean, the infrastructure that England's had in place for a number of years now is, is why we are where we are in terms of, A, the mm. dominance on the pitch, but also all the support off it, the, the record crowds that we've had recently has just been, you know, I think everybody hopes and talks about women's rugby's got this appetite and it's got this fan base that wants to, you know, um, show its support. And now we're in it. And 
you know, for so long we've talked about it, but now it's actually happening. And I think it's, you know, down to all the kind of hard work over the number of years and also the domestic league. You know, all the domestic leagues are trying to drive crowds and fans coming in and mm. doing things differently and engaging new fans. And then that's had a effect straight onto the national team as well. So another part of that is the coverage we get now to the, you know, having the domestic game on TV and accessible. Um, but also the internationals having that accessible on terrestrial TV, you know, we, we're, we're finding new audiences that are engaging in the game. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's a bit of a package to, to be where we are right now. But, but yeah, it's in, a, it's in a good spot, but there's still plenty more to mm. do. Oh, there's plenty more to do, particularly down under here in New Zealand. We're just seeing the start of some competitions, particularly in the women's rugby game, starting. But can you just dive into a bit more about the infrastructure and and the kind of commitment that England rugby have committed to the women's game, just to kind of share the light of maybe some some lessons that we could learn down under. What kind of commitment has England rugby offered to the women's game up north? I think probably, you know, there's one thing you can give your your players contracts, and, and, you know, this is personal Mm. opinion, but for a number of years we've had a strong elite group of players have a contract, be a professional rugby player, but everything outside of international, there wasn't anything that was really concrete or giving players a, you know, a platform to perform and train in a professional environment week in, week out. And I think the difference of the support structure has been what they've done with the domestic league. They've massively invested in, which is now called the Allianz Premier 15. And, you know, it's as professional as it can be. Not all players are paid, but there's a platform and, as if it is professional, you know, I give my, my club Harlequins, for example, you know, we run a full-time program for players who can come in during the day. We have students, army, internationals, and that that's happening across the country. There's full-time S&C, there's full-time coaches, full-time medical. So it's not just when you assemble for an international camp, you're getting all that infrastructure and that professionalism. That's happening day in, day out at your club, mm. which there are different levels at different clubs, but you know, having that over time has a massive impact on the international game. And I think that's the biggest area of growth where the investment into the domestic game has had such a big impact um, on the international game. Not just um, you know in terms of the the outcome of the product, the you know winning games, etc., but actually the depth that that we have now because the league is yeah. so competitive. You have players playing at such a high standard when they then step onto international scene, they're actually, they're there. It doesn't take them a couple of caps or, you know, some training to get into the mix of it. They're already there because they've been playing in a competitive league week in, week out. Rachel, just to, you know, talk, you talk a lot about the structure and the systems that are supporting these players. You know, you've got just the, the staff that go in the background that, you know, keep them fit and the medical staff that keep them on the field. Um, alongside the high standard that they're playing football on with your competitions. But at the end of the day, when you go into the World Cup, what is the difference between England as a, as a player um, compared to, say, the, the New Zealand girls that are coming up? Why are you so good? Is it because you're bigger? Is it because you're faster? Or is it because simply because you've got a professional system in place up there? Well, I think it's probably a mixture of all of it. I doubt there's one particular thing that that sets them completely apart, that they're in a full-time program daily. 
so naturally the the physicality and the the level and tempo that they can play at and continue to play at it is remarkable but i i think it comes back to that depth you know we we've spoken about it over the six nations you know they had teams out with a bench that could have started with players not even in the team that could start in the team you know we spoke to the england coaches post the, the france game and they have a training session where it's 15 for 15 and and they're even standing on the sideline going we could put either of these teams out tomorrow and i think that depth is what is really dangerous for other teams is what they've got to come off the bench what rotation they can put in place that doesn't actually affect the overall result you know you think of some some nations have some really key players that they cannot afford to rest for one game or rotate out or put on the bench they need to have them started whereas england have an abundance of players that they can rotate and not have too much effect of to what's going to happen with the result or how the momentum of that game might start and finish. And Simon Simon Middleton, the co- and you know because there hasn't been much mentioned about the coaching staff, is the coaching making a, a difference as well um, to the to the team up there? Yeah, I think they've got a lot of good support and structure around them. They've got a, a, a you know a base of coaches internationally, but then you go, I keep referring back to the domestic league, you go to those clubs, they've got full-time staff there as well. So your players are getting constant coaching, support, analysis, feedback on club games, on international games. You know, players know that they've got to put the work in to get better, but your coaches are there to help facilitate that. And, you know, Simon Middleton, you know, he's, he's somebody that doesn't sit still. So no matter how well they perform, he'll find areas to, to push on or, or ways to challenge players. Or fight. He'll, he'll know where his weaknesses are within his team and, and he'll make sure that they're, they're working on those. And that, that is probably another difference about them. Awesome. Hey, were you surprised with how um, off the pace the, the Black Ferns were? I know you've probably seen the review they've had to go through. Um, Glenn Moore's gone. They've got Wayne Smith coming in, Whitney Hanson, Wesley Clark take it out of the assistance role. We, we quite surprised with how off the pace they were uh, last season at the end of year tour when they faced England and France. And do you see them have the ability to come back and, and be, you know, the powerhouse they once were? Yeah, look, I think personally I've always known and experienced the dominant side of, of the Black Ferns, whether that's in the Simmons or 15 shirt. And, and so, mm. yeah, naturally I was surprised. Um, I think when you look at all the elements, if you don't know all the elements, then you probably don't understand or you are shocked at that performance. But then when you look back and think, you know, the the lack of rugby that they played, the lack of time that they had together, a lot of new caps, you know, disruption for, for everyone. But we managed to get a lot of rugby away during COVID. So when you put that together you know, you can understand why they were off the pace and not as ruthless as, as they were. But, you know, for me, they, they're, they're thing. New Zealand haven't suddenly got bad at rugby. They just weren't mm. at test match pace. You know, they weren't fit enough and their set piece wasn't good enough. Um, but they're things that are quite easily fixable. And, and trust me, when you're coming out with your Wayne Smith and your <laughs> um, Mike Crohn's and your Alan Bunty, like... We're, everyone's keeping a big eye out now uh, and they know that there's a big amount of investment going in and, and people aren't stupid to think that you're going to see the same New Zealand team in New Zealand come World Cup time, for sure. 
Uh, and so I, I yeah, think well, they can turn it around, definitely. Oh, we're hoping that. We're hoping that. It's, uh, it's a big task. We've seen what England and particularly France have been able to do over in the north. Um, quick question about uh, the alignment within the England Rugby Union. Is there a real alignment between the women's game and the rugby, and the men's game over in the England RFU? Do you feel like there will be a lot of things we could learn down under with particularly how you know everyone's kind of on the same page and, and the equity that's in the game across the board between um, the men's and the women's game? Yeah, I think I think we're still really far off from you know equity and equality, but I think what we do have is a very clear vision, and where the RFU want to get to in terms of with with the women's program, they want to get it to a level where you know it, it can mirror and be as strong as a brand as the England men are. It's going to take time to do that, um, but I think. How we get there is, you know, putting the game on a equal platform, getting equal coverage, because then, you know, that's where investment and sponsors and commercial opportunities come into the game, and that's how we can grow it. Um, and what I think is really important that we continue to do, which we are starting to do a lot of, is making sure that what we do within women's rugby is fit for purpose, and it's not mm. considering, oh, well, the men have done it this way, it, it worked for them, let's try and do that, just making sure that we're looking at our game through a women's lens and making sure it's the right fit and we've got a purpose behind it. And I think that's where the RFU have been really strong in, in their direction and their purpose of where they want to get to and how they want to get there. And and obviously it helps having, we've seen with the Six Nations, having its own window, the fact that we've had record coverage, record crowds, you know, fans breaking records week on week, in not just in England, in Ireland, in Scotland, in Wales, France always managed to get such a good turnout. But just making sure that we're getting the, the game on a, on its own platform where it can reach as many people as it can is it, probably the start. Rachel, going, going into the, the World Cup, obviously with a favourites tag and coming out of the Six Nations, where, where do the major threats come from um, for your team in England to, to win that competition? Do you, is it coming from down here where you haven't haven't seen the teams and, and from the Wayne Smiths that are going to be bringing up a different all-black team that toured last year? Or is it actually sitting in your backyard and you've just seen the main competition and played against them? No, I think, you know, World Cups are they're special, but they're also mm-hmm. they're different environments that you play in and you see different teams perform in different ways. I think we'll definitely see France be strong. I genuinely think New Zealand will be, be strong come with the World Cup. And, you know, Fiji's been performing really well. Obviously, we saw what they did in the Super oh, W. Yeah. I think, I, you know, I, I think England are in a really good place. Obviously, they've got all these record wins behind them. They're now the Grand Slam, back-to-back, to back to back or however many times it is. <laughs> they've got all that on their back. So they're going into that World Cup with a hell of a lot of expectation on them. They've got this, you know, tag on the back that they're, they're going to be expected to do what they did in the autumn to New Zealand again. They're going to expect to beat France again in, in the World Cup uh, pool. So they've got a lot on their own to just get over, as well as worrying about what's coming. Um, mm. So, look, a lot of people are saying the World Cup is there to, to lose at the moment, but a lot of people will, won't will be writing off the other teams who, who will definitely want to spoil that party for England. 
Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show, Rachel, and sharing your insights and wisdom and what it takes for the England Rugby Union, the alignment that they've got at the moment and the success that the women's game is having up north. We really appreciate your time and, and uh, your answers on the show. Thank you so much. Take care and all the best for the rest of the year. Oh, thanks, guys, and I'll see you in New Zealand. Yes, see you down under. <laughs> Mate, that was awesome. That was awesome, Tizzy. Team, just to hear kind of, yes. I've got a question MP. for you because I'm, I'm sitting there yep. listening to that and I'm hoping that Wayne Smith is dialed in. What mm. did we just learn? What did you just learn what out of that conversation? That they're not quite there, but they're heading in the right direction. The alignment that the RFU is having, and what did you learn? Mate, I'll, basically, I learned that they've built a platform and a structure and a system and a, and a fit-for-purpose program that has grown this game and has put them mm. ahead in such a short amount of time. Yeah, Kempi, that's that's the glowing. That was the glowing thing for me. Uh, Izzy, we're going to get your thoughts on it. They've got their own separate window. They've got yeah. They they, mate, that's what we're going to talk to about in the minute. Because I spoke to the Canterbury Rugby Union yesterday. I was having lunch with the Crusaders about it, and um, the number one question was money. And it's all about money at the end of the day. But they're not going to make money out of this this brand of footy. But look at the success that they've had over in England and the sellout crowds that they've had, mate, it's, they need it. They need it. The crossover competition that Super Rugby can offer, you saw how good it was in, in Australia. It has to be done. has to be done. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.